Hello, everyone. <laughs> My name is Laura, if you haven't met me. Um, and Steve asked me to share a bit of my experience in Scotland. It was such a joy. Um, so he asked if I would do a little bit of a journal entry uh, for you guys. So I kind of mashed together a couple of, of my thoughts, and that's what, that's what I have. So. <laughs> um, so titled, Reflections on Scotland. Um, you know, we pray the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And I saw heaven come this week in Scotland. Arriving in Thurso, I was immediately hit with just the beauty of the nation, the pace of life, and getting to know people, seeing that a lot of the people in Scotland have a hard exterior, especially towards Christianity, but a soft interior, willing to talk. Most of the week we spent going out in faith, whether we saw fruit or not. The Lord was faithful in bringing healings and salvations, giving us pictures and dreams how he wanted to move. They were all pointing to hearing his heartbeat for the people of Scotland, and that we were there for a purpose. It wasn't random. He wanted each one of us there. One of the biggest joys I had from going on this trip was actually seeing the beauty and unity of the spirit in the church body, both in Antioch, you all sending us out, our team journeying together, and, and partnering with the local churches in Scotland, all having one common goal and vision to love God and make him known, and covering one another in prayer throughout the week, sharing belongings as anyone had need, seeing our team's gifts being used to minister to others, caring for one another's kiddos like they were our own, Worshiping and dancing together with other churches, like you saw in the video, <laughs> and the laughter and joy woven in all of that throughout our time. Um, part two. The Lord was reminding me this week that he is Elroy, the Lord, the God that sees us. He sets the lonely in families, just as he did in my life, and it was evident because I was now in a different country with part of that family. As we walked through the streets of Scotland, talking to people and praying for them, I sensed a lot of loneliness in people and feelings of being stuck and purposelessness. I began to pray that God would give me his eyes to see people who are hurting and alone. One day, as I was walking to lunch with Carla, a local from a church in Scotland, we walked past this woman on a bench, and we actually kept walking past her. I felt the Lord nudge me to go back and pray for her. So we went up to her and awkwardly introduced ourselves and asked if there was anything she needed prayer for and that we felt like God told us to go talk to her. She asked, are you serious? And we said yes. She said that just that morning she was asking God if he saw her and if he cared. We were able to pray for her, share the gospel with her, and she told us that she felt, felt her mental depression from the last several years completely lift. The Lord was beginning to minister to Sylvia's heart and that he wanted to partner with me, and that brought me so much joy to know that I was hearing his voice and that I am a part of something so much greater than myself, and he did it all. <laughs> I was reminded of the passage in 1 Corinthians where it says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It was in these moments that God began to undo the anxiety I had towards feeling insufficient to be serving in Scotland. I was unsure of my usefulness in going to Scotland, but the Lord, the Lord began to show me that maybe usefulness isn't the point. Maybe in God's kingdom, he doesn't partner with us and send his children based on their idea of usefulness. 
Maybe he is confident in his own ability to bring his kingdom to the people of Scotland, and he desires our faithfulness and our humility to partner with him in doing that. How patient he is in letting us know these things, leading me to repentance for my own self-sufficiency and thoughts of inadequacy. Before this trip, I can't say I had confidence that the Lord wanted to partner with me specifically to reach the nations, but I write these things now in a new confidence that he actually does want to draw others to himself through my life. How exciting it is that I got to partner with him for the rest of my life. We serve an amazing God. I'm going to call an audible. Um, can I, I'm going to ask Robbie and Jamie to come up. Yeah. But while you do, can we have the panel folks go ahead and start setting your chairs? Because I want you guys up here as we talk about Rob and Jamie. So go ahead and start grabbing your chairs. Bring them up. Rob and Jamie, come on and step up to the front with me. Uh, Rob and Jamie led this trip. Come on over here a little bit to the middle. Uh, Rob and Jamie led this trip. I, I have led trips before. I've never led a trip of this scope. Um, and so I just want to, could you give us some of the details? People, give me, give us some of the details of what had to come together on this. So we have had the awesome privilege of going on a couple Antioch trips before. So we had a little inkling of like what this was going to take, but that was it. And um, the most we knew is that like these always get pulled off, but it's not really ever the people who do it. God always, always, always shows up. So I think for us, as we were looking through this, we we're like, okay, well, yes, we've got things we have to do, but at the end of it, my always going back was like, but God, and God is going to do what he wants to do. And so we, our own selves can only go so far. And then God, you really have to show up. Um, and so, um, yeah, so we saw that over and over again, specifically when we, um, were like partway into our time planning, we needed finances and we're like, oh my gosh, we like have things to buy and not enough finances currently to do this. Okay, so we did what we could do, diligent. Um, I am more the like this person in our marriage, and Rob is this person, like super steady Eddie. And so I'm like, okay, all right. So I'm feeling all the things, and literally multiple times was like, okay, today's the day I'm gonna have to call and break the news, like this trip isn't happening. Um, and sweet Rob was like, oh no, no. <laughs> but God, God always moves. And so, um, yeah, so through that, um, I, that was really what I learned was, but God. Yeah, this was really an invitation for us, as Laura was alluding to. Um, it's an invitation to partner with God and partner with people. And for us leading the trips, that, that's what it felt like. Uh, we had to be diligent and put in the work, flights, hotels, accommodations, all that stuff. Um, but we also had to be full of faith that God was going to show up. And he did every time. Every time we needed a breakthrough, God showed up. Um, so just encourage you all to, to accept the invitation, and you'll be blessed abundantly. Yes. Thank, thank you. And, and I don't want to uh, absolutely take anything from God. And But Rob and Jamie, <laughs> let me just tell you a little bit about this. Uh, 55 people from eight months old up to the oldest, which were Linda and I, and I'm not going into that. <laughs> um, so 55 people leaving from multiple different airports, yeah. 
having to go 11 cars to go to Chicago, and then having to set up transportation from uh, all the hotels, which there were no hotels originally that could carry all of our people. And so then a bus ride up to Thurso. So they're carrying the weight of all of that this whole time. And there had to be times at least that we looked, especially on the way back of looking and going, this thing may fall apart. Rob and Jamie just stayed steadfast. Um, with 55 people, even the good questions are overwhelming. And then you add the silly questions that come out of it too. And they never lost patience. I just wanna say, this doesn't happen without Rob and Jamie deciding that they're gonna risk being the captains when this Titanic goes down. <laughs> and so, Rob and Jamie, way to go. Let's get in. Okay, nicely done. So we have some uh, panels of some folks and I'll be up and down as I ask some questions. I'm just gonna try and lead some questions and hopefully that we can give you multiple flavors of this trip and we want to share it with you because you carried a huge portion and that is often just said, but in this case, we really, really mean it. You carried us when we need to be, would need to be carried and as we share some of these stories, you're gonna understand why that is. And so the first thing I wanna do is, um, why this group? Let me just explain. Josh, if you could tell us wh why these 55. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Josh. Um, yeah, uh, so why, why us for this mission trip, right? We, we all signed up for ADS, which is uh, Antioch Discipleship School. Um, and part of that is a nine-month program, like it was talked about. And it's not exclusive just to our church here. A lot of other Antioch churches across the nation have an ADS program that might vary a little differently from ours. But for us, it was nine months. Uh, it was a commitment um, to meet as part of that um, once a month, Friday evenings, Saturday mornings usually. Uh, we had groups we met in. We had you know, uh, requirements like reading the Bible uh, in the entirety in five months in a plan, which is crazy now thinking back on it and, and awesome. Uh, yeah, and memorizing verses each month, uh, meeting with other people in our groups, uh, having discipleship groups within that, and just making a commitment for nine months that really uh, was all about the purpose of it was to just grow our faith and our walk with Jesus. And uh, it was a long commitment. There was real, you know, um, real things you had to give up in that. And I think that for a lot of us, it was worth it. And so why this mission trip at the end? I would say it was kind of like the graduation of that, the final requirement, right? And I think a lot of us, all of us that went on the, the trip would tell you it, it did not feel like a requirement at all, especially by the end of it. Um, it was something we were so thankful and blessed to do. But that's why it was us, 40-plus people who committed to doing it. So it's the, the discipleship school, the ending, or there is a requirement that we go to the nations. And that is something that is a requirement, part of the school. The school is awesome. It's a deep, deep dive for this amount of period. And so we got to do that together. And then the ending of it is to kind of us share an international trip. Katie, what was our role um, in Revive Scotland? We went with Revive Scotland. What, were we, what was our role while we were there? 
Yeah, we had the opportunity to join God and what he is already doing there. Uh, part of our role was just going out in the streets, community, passing out flyers, letting people know about the Revive event, um, but also stepping out in faith, um, sharing our personal testimonies, praying over people, um, just preparing for the event, and then ultimately participating in multiple Revive Scotland events. Okay, great. So we did, you did that leading up to, what were the events? Can you, do you remember what they were? What were the events we ended up with? Yeah, we had a youth event and a family event um, that was more focused on kids. Uh, the kids event had a lot of fun stuff, um, dramas and um, silly dramas and more serious ones where we portrayed um, creation and the crucifixion of Christ and the decision to follow him. And some of our very own kids participated in that. Um, it was really impactful to be a part of that and just to see people step into roles. I think there was a piece of it where we didn't fully know all that we were going to be doing. And so there was a lot of, all right, we got today to prepare a three-hour kids program. And everyone stepped up to the plate and uh, stepped out of our comfort zones and got to be used by God for that. Thank you, Katie. Yeah, one of the things we got to see is when you go on mission trips, you, you go from solid to liquid, and then there's a point where you go from liquid to gaseous. That's when you find out you have to put on a drama three hours into it, and they pulled it off, and everybody. I was not a part of that, thankfully, um, but the team pulled it off. So, Linda, if I could ask you, so we're, we're there as a team, and we're, our job is to go out in the streets and invite people to these events, let them know they're coming, and so can you just give a... The, everybody a feel for what did we run into? What's the temperature of kind of sharing in Scotland about things like Jesus and these events? So our leader, Scottish Rob, I'll call him Rob MacArthur, who's on the screen. Um, we had American Rob and Scottish Rob. Um, he said it so well at the beginning of the week when he said that, you know, Thurso is a small downtown area and you're going to feel like you're doing a cannonball into a baby pool. And that is exactly how it felt, because we went into this town, we saw a lot of the same people all the time. And that felt just strange and a little discouraging, because we were like, we just want to see all these different people and, give, and have an opportunity to invite them to all these different events. And we just kept running into stonewalled faces, people literally putting their hands up, no, busy, you know? And we, we were just shocked at how... No one wanted to even talk to us, greet us. They had mastered the art of no eye contact. You know, you're walking down the street, they just wouldn't even let you have eye contact for a second to like maybe say hello. And that was really, really surprising to all of us. And how many people also were like, I'm atheist. I'm agnostic. Like they had the labels, they don't go to church, the churches are closing there. And we were just really surprised and at the very beginning of the week, very discouraged. And then God flipped it. I had one of the most classic shutdowns I've ever had in all of my trips. I was just inviting somebody, a couple, as they walked by to the event. And I started to say hello. And the guy just looked at me and goes, as you were. And I was like, <laughs> okay. I was like, nice seeing you. Hope you come back. So, um, so at the beginning, a little bit of discouragement coming back in to say, uh, this is not the fruit that we were expecting. Some others were getting some different, but there was more hard reception than I think than we had uh, counted on, or at least that I had counted on when we first started. And uh, Greg, 
You got your mic? Okay, great. Greg had uh, a great experience of kind of a, a long walk, meaning kind of walking through somebody from the beginning of the trip to the end of the trip. And if you could share that with about Ian. Sure, yeah. Um, so this was uh, Tuesday of that week. Me and uh, my son Owen were out walking, just passing out flowers, inviting people, and just being, uh, just um, trying to witness to people and, and um, bring people in. And, and uh, yeah, we, we encountered quite a, quite a bit of, of what they're talking about. There was one guy in particular, um, we were out by the beach and we were looking down and he was walking his dog on the beach. And he, tend to, he was staring out at the water and out at the beach and the sand and stuff. And um, I was like, oh, that, that guy looks open. He's, he's not busy. He's, just, he's not keen on getting his work done, his business done. You know, he's walking his dog, right? So here's, here's someone I can talk to who looks open. So he comes up from the beach. And I thought uh, the Lord was saying, like, um, ask him if he was once a fisherman. Because he was out, you know, studying the ocean. And he says, no, no, I was ne never a fisherman. He's like, but I have friends who are fishermen. And, like, uh, up in Scrabster, you know, a nearby town where they do a lot of fishing and he kind of knew sort of the the fishing areas around and so we talked quite a bit about that he said no I'm in the home remodeling and repair business home maintenance business so we talked a little bit about that and like just um you know just getting to know each other a little bit it was it was kind of interesting you know it was um you know, the conversation, how it went. Um, like, well, I kind of like working on my house too, you know, a little bit of back and forth. And, uh, and then I just looked out, it's like a beautiful country you have here. It's like, God did a great job. And, and, and uh, it's like, this is awesome. And he's like, Oh, well, I said, do you believe in God? And he said, well, I believe in a higher power. I mean, you look at this, it has to be right. And I said, well, I believe uh, in God and I believe you can have a personal relationship with his son, Jesus, the savior of the world. And he, um, and maybe that was a bit strong. He's like, gotta go. Um, <laughs> thank you. And, but before he left, I said, hey, hey, man, what's your name? He's like, I'm Ian. I was like, oh, cool. My youngest son is named Ian. He's like, I won't, I won't forget that. So, um, he, you know, he goes away and, um, you know, we continue on and, and the week continues on. And I remember um, it was like either Wednesday or Thursday morning. I was praying. I was like, Lord, like, it doesn't feel like I'm doing much here, like for you. Like, this is my first missions trip, right? So it's, um, I have these visions of like, you know, healings and people saved and it's a revival and, and all this stuff. And, and I was praying this to God, it doesn't feel like I'm doing much for your kingdom. And then he, he reminded me of what Rob, our leader, uh, uh, texted us before uh, we even left. He said, our goal here is not to do anything. It's to abide in the Father, cleansed by the Son, and filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants our heart. And through that, he draws others into this beautiful union. So it's like, it's not the doing, Greg. It's just abiding in me. And so that's what I did. I just kept abiding like, okay, God, that, I'm not, that's what I'm going to do. Just abide and just be available. Um, you know, we're here. Um, the distractions are away, you know, job, work, whatever, that's all gone. Um, I'll do that. So anyway, uh, fast forward to... Um, Thursday morning. So there was other encounters similar to this where I would say, oh, do you know about Jesus? Well, I'm Church of England. I'm, I'm good. I have my thing. You, you know, you guys go on. And, and so that, that was a feeling that a little bit of that resistance. So I'm like, I'm not doing much. So then I, you know, God pointed me to this word that Rob had said. And then so Thursday morning, we're walking to the city center to get a picture. Um, just 
you know, before we leave, before the, the weekend events start. And here on the other side of the street, there comes Ian, you know, from the beach with his dog walking. And, uh, and before I even thought about it, Holy Spirit's like, go, go, go. So I'm like, okay. So I'm like walking with my kids. I tell Elizabeth, hey, you got the kids, all right? There's Ian. He was dragging behind. Okay, go. So I run across the street, and I was like, hey, Ian, you know? <laughs> He's like, hey, man. <laughs> it's like, I, remember, I remembered you because uh, my son's name Ian. And I was like, I just went right into it. It's like, Ian, man, can I pray for you? Like, just let me pray uh, for you. And he's like, oh, yeah. So it's like, can I, can I put my hand on you? Because that's the thing. You don't put your hands on people. Uh, can I put my hand on you? It's like, so we prayed. And um, just prayed like, Lord, thank you, God, for Ian. Thank you, God, that for this another meeting with him on the street. I traveled thousands of miles away. But here he is again with his, with his dog, Lord. God, bless him, Lord. He is fearfully and wonderfully made, Lord. Thank you, God, for his soft heart that he's even going to talk to me now. Thank you, Lord, for this. And I just felt like God's like, ask him. So I was like, all right. Ian, would you like to accept Jesus? Would you like to have a relationship with Jesus, the Savior of the world? He said, like, I'm ready. I'm ready. And I was like, whoa. And so it's just like, you know, when, when God's working through you, it's like electric. It's yeah. like, um, so as we pray the prayer of salvation and, you know, I walked him through, you know, the, the bad news, you know, the wages of sin is death and then the, the good news and just like, but that's the Holy Spirit was just giving me the words because I'm always, I can't always articulate all that well, but the, it was all the Holy Spirit just working through me, just working through me and it was just electric and he, and he meant every word. He repeated every word of the prayer and he was just like, oh, he's so overjoyed. And I was like, oh yes, thank you, Lord. And it was like, so yeah, Ian McKay you know, or Mackay. Um, I don't know if I'll see him again, but we'll see him in heaven. So it was awesome. Thank you, Greg. So um, you can tell the trip is some disappointment. It's some harsh realities. It's some pushing through and seeing fruit. And then uh, Caleb's got a story of just some relational building that started to happen in this town that was really uh, precious. Yeah, so we were getting a lot of pushback. I mean, a lot of people turning us down. And so at that point, I kind of was thinking, what do we do? Um, and so it was all about building relationship at that point. You need the relational equity with people in order to have any sort of say in their life. Um, so a little bit about me. I've been a barista for seven years. And so with that, before we even went to Thurzo, the thing that I did was look up the coffee shops in Thurzo. Um, to paint a picture, this town is... Uh, you could walk from one end of the town to the other in 20 minutes, so it's really small. It's on the north coast. There's not many other towns around it. It's a town of 7,500 people and only two cafes. Um, so I looked at both of the cafes, and I was like, that's the one I'm going to go to. So the very first, we arrive on a Sunday evening, the Monday morning. We're meeting at like 9.45 or something. This cafe opens up at 9 o'clock. So me and a group of people, we decide to go to this cafe because I want some coffee in Europe. And it's amazing. You know, like it was just this thing that I wanted to do before I even got there. So we show up. We're the first ones in the door at 9 o'clock, right when they open. And... Um, we meet this man named Kyle. Um, he is standing behind the espresso machine, and he just, I mean, he asks us 
he asked us what we want. And so at that point, I start, you know, talking coffee things like, oh, this machine is beautiful, you know, little things like that. So I start talking to him about all of that. And then I get, I come to find out that he's actually the owner. Um, and he's 25. And he's not actually from Scotland. He's from England. Um, it was in that moment that I kind of was just like, OK, this is why I'm here. Um, so I continued the rest of the week to go every day. Um, <laughs> Even we arrived on Monday, I went that morning, then for lunch that day, I went back for lunch, and then the next morning I went again, and then the next morning I went again. Um, so I went every single day, um, even to the point where Kyle was like, um, you guys have stuff at like 9.15, right? And I was like, yeah, I probably won't be able to come. He was like, we'll open up the shop for you at 8.15. And so um, he was just so kind um, to all of us and was opening up the shop early specifically so we could like get our coffee. And he came prepared um, as much as he could. Um, and with that, he also had two employees, Flo and Meg, and they were incredible. Um, they were the main people that were the baristas for us. And so um, it was just really cool because it, from the beginning of the week, I was like, this is why I'm here. And then throughout the week, he would open it up specifically for, so we could come. And then there was a time or two that he, there was a time that he came to our hotel and sat in the restaurant there. And there was a group of us that got to sit with them for like two to three hours just to be with them. Um, none of these people from our perspective, knew the Lord, um, but it was Kyle, Megan, Flo. They would come and they would hang out with us. And so uh, as the week went on, we would just build relationship with them. Um, one of the things that was worth noting, the first day when I walked into the, like, the first meeting that we had, I had the olive cup of coffee with me, and one of the, one of the Scottish, one of the locals was like, oh, um, like, just asking me about my coffee, where I got it. And he was like, uh, well, there's a bunch of Americans, and you're going to go back every day, so that man's going to get the gospel. And I was like, yes, he is. So we were, we were able to like walk in confidence in that. Um, fast forward, Meg and Flo actually come to one of our events at the end of the week, and um, Meg and Flo and Flo's boyfriend... So by the end of that night, Faith got to have a conversation with Meg and found out that she actually knows Jesus, but she doesn't have community. And so what better way for, like, what better way um, to, like, show Jesus than to connect her to people who are actually following Jesus in the town that she's in? So we got to, I got to talk to pastors of a church that, like, I got to know. And so I, we, I got to connect them. And then Flo um, walked away. I don't know, somebody ended up sharing with her. I don't know who it was, um, but she walked away from that night with a Bible in hand. And then Flo's boyfriend um, got to talk to one of the locals, and he actually prayed the prayer and also walked away with the Bible. So it was a really encouraging thing. Um, so by the end of the week, I was... Um, I mean, not, no one had really, like, spoken to Kyle directly about Jesus, but it was throughout the week that I was just trying to build that relationship with him. Um, so I actually got to be one of the last people to say goodbye to him because there was a group of us that stayed a little bit later. And I went up to him, gave him a hug, and I just felt really strongly um, to give him, like, something that I felt like I'd heard from the Lord. So that's what I did. And with tears in his eyes, he gave me a hug, and he said, like, I really wish I didn't like you guys, and it wouldn't be so hard to say goodbye. Um, and so it was just a really cool testimony in that sense. And I think one of the coolest parts about it all is that uh, because I love coffee, he loves coffee, he just opened up a coffee shop. It was this thing of, I was like, Kyle, when are you going to come to Indianapolis? And so 
as we were leaving also that night, he was like, I think by the end of the year, me, Megan, Flo, like, we'll, we'll get to Indianapolis. So with that being said, there is a chance that someday Kyle will be here and you guys will all get to see him and pray for him. So keep him in your prayers. He doesn't know the Lord yet. That's the key word is yet. So. Okay. Can I have that? Okay. You guys, as we thought, we're going to run short on time, so we've got to just kind of keep these as brief as we can, but we want to get the big ideas, so please, um, we'll capture them as best as you can. Alicia, you had an incredible experience of hearing God following through with somebody. Can you share us about Courtney? Yeah. Um, so the first day of, um, in the morning we'd have worship, and then after worship and prayer, we would go out and then do the outreach and pass out the cards. Um, so there was like towards the end of one of the days I, or I, we had a break. Anyway, I ran into this store. I had to use the restroom. And so I ran in there and there was a young girl, um, at the desk and these shops are so small. So like literally two people go in them and it feels like the whole thing. Um, but she was working by herself. She was like 24. Um, anyway, so after I used the restroom, I just talked to her a little bit and asked where her name was and invited her to the event. And I said, hope to see you there. And I just thought that was going to be the end. Um, so I left and I was like telling everyone about <laughs> Courtney. I think everyone, everyone knows that I talked about her like forever. I was like, I got to go back. I got to go back. Um, because like the, like my heart literally was just burning for this woman. I have not had that feeling where it's just like, I like literally will not breathe until I talk to you again. And so, um, the Lord just kept, um, yeah, putting her in my heart. And so then that night, I even woke up in the middle of the night and I just began to pray and she was in my, you know, um, my just heart again. And so I'm like, Lord, like what word do you have for her? And, you know, I think it's like, sometimes we, we make it so difficult. It's like, Oh, the Lord, like trying to hear from the Lord when really we don't have to try so hard, just listen. And so I just, am, I'm learning that I'm just listening. So it's like, I was just literally crying out to him. And so, um, I've next morning we, during worship, the Lord gave me the word forgiveness for this woman. Um, and I was like, forgiveness. I was like, what does that mean? Like, forgive yourself. Like, does she need to forgive herself? Does she, um, need to forgive someone? Like, what does that mean? And, um, it's kind of going back and forth with it anyway kind of was more wrestling, like, forgive herself, but it was still just, like, not concrete, but I just, the whole way, so after worship again, I was like, I got to go back to that store, so went back to the store, and um, opened the door, and <laughs> I was, like, yelling her name, and she, we, I tell her, again, like, you see these people, you'd walk past the shop and wave, and it wasn't just, like, so she remembered me, but I yelled her name, it's coming in, and, and so she comes to forward, and I said, I go, I feel like the Lord um, has a word for you, may I share with it, share with you, and she um, said, yes, and I said, I feel like the Lord is saying um, the word, like, you need to forgive yourself, um, or with forgiveness. I said, does this make any sense? And, um, tears began to flow from this young woman's face. And again, it's just me and her in the shop. And, um, and she said, I had an abortion this year, actually on my birthday. And she just began to weep. And I then began to weep with her. And I said, may I give you a hug? And so I, um, got to hug with her for a long time and we cried with each other. And I said, you know, I said, your past does not dictate your future. And I said, you know, the Lord, he wants to take your pain. And I said, you know, he wants, you know, you're forgiven and he wants to forgive, you know. And so she, um, 
And I said, we will be a mother someday because her friend, um, anyway, her friend then, um, they got pregnant at the same time. Her friend kept her baby. She did not. And it's just a constant pain reminder for her. So she was opening up about that. And um, anyway, so it just continued pain for her. So I was like, well, the Lord wants to take your pain. I said, may I pray for you? Um, And so I got to pray with her. Um, She did not give her life to the Lord that day, but I know that God imprinted um, um, just a seed in her heart and just that she was so smiling. So we literally, after this conversation, I said, I go, it feels like like 10 pounds are lifted off you. I said, do you feel like that? She's like, yes. And we were laughing and talking with each other. And I could knew like just then that the pain was lifted from this woman and she doesn't have to carry that anymore. And we, um, exchange numbers and continue now like through Facebook. And I didn't want to be a check on the list. Like we're just sat here just to, um, share with these people and not make relationship. And that's not what we do. It's so it's just continue prayer for her and these people and each other. And so I just realized being in Scotland, like how much pain people have, like you can go to a coffee shop and me and my husband like ran to this other man and, um, his wife just died two weeks ago. And it's just constant. Like just, if we ask questions and yeah, that's the beginning of when the pastor said, he goes, just ask a good question. And it goes a long way. So I think just knowing that we can do that here stateside, just as much as we can there. Great. Thank you, Alicia. And you guys, I know, I hope you'll ask more about these questions. I know we're just touching the surface, trying to give a flavor of what it's like to be on mission, not just to go on a mission trip, but to be on mission. So that's what I want you to get. We're trying to spread this out. Look at all that's happening. And I really, I know it seems like we're just rat-a-tat-tatting up here, but we want to just give the idea, please ask these folks about these stories because these are life-changing stories. Um, I'm going to ask, okay, Trey, if you could do Calvin quick. And then lead that into Linda, Linda, yeah, start with Calvin, then Linda, and then we'll complete that story, because that's a beautiful story. All right, quick. Go for it. All right, so I'm going to talk a little bit about this sweet teenage boy named Calvin. So we had, on one of our youth events, we were playing soccer, and during halftime, we, we had a little bit of a small group, and to give you a quick picture of what we were working with, During that small group, we asked the question, what's your name? And then what's your favorite thing to do outside of football? And Calvin was the first student, or not student, but teenager to go, and his answer was pornography. And from there, it went on and on and on. And so that was what we were working with, but we all know that God, that doesn't stop God. And and so we kept pursuing, and we, we had a good small group. And we knew that Calvin was the one that by the end, he was listening intently. He wanted more. And so a few gentlemen the next day got the opportunity to meet with him over lunch and led him to Jesus. And so Calvin gave his life to Jesus the very next day. And I remember the day after I was talking with him and we started praying for his family because he's like, I'm on mission now. My family needs to know Jesus. So we started praying for his family. Um, And then... During the kids' event, his younger brother, Riley, um, heard the gospel message, and I had the honor to lead him to Jesus. Um, And so what a beautiful picture it is to see these kids on one end and then fully give their life to Christ. And Calvin, at the end of the week, posted on Instagram saying, I don't care who bullies me at school anymore. My life is fully his. And wow, like that that is beautiful. That is wonderful. Um, And... The one of the last days, well, it was actually the last day, two hours before we were getting ready to leave, I was praying for Calvin. I felt like the Lord was like, you need to baptize him. 
And I'm like, all right. So I went up to Calvin. I was like, hey, man, I want to explain this to you. I talked to him through baptism. And surely enough, he's like, let's do it. (laughs) And he's like, I know one spot. And he pointed to the North Sea. And I'm like, oh. (laughs) So we get in the water. It is freezing. But he's about this new life of his. And so we bury him in the water. He comes out a fresh, new child of God. Praise the Lord. And his brother looks at me. He's like, next time you come, we'll do that. But the beautiful part of this story is that it didn't stop with Calvin or his brother, Riley. Right. So we all got to talk with Calvin in the next couple of days and saw his hunger and his beauty and longing for his family to come to know Christ. So um, it was, it's really cool because I didn't even know, I knew this story from a distance, but I, did, I could not have pointed out this kid. I had no idea who his family was. It's just like when you're on mission, you're just going for it wherever you are with whoever's in front of you. And Brooke and I were standing in an event and um, Scottish Martin came up, or um, Stuart came up to us and was like, hey, I'm talking to this woman, sharing the gospel with her, but there's so much trauma in her life that I need the two of you to come over and work through this with her and kind of pray, not kind of, but I mean, like talk with her through her trauma, see how open she'll be. We've got to break down some strongholds because we cannot share the gospel with her because she's just so broken. And so he said, I need women. So he leaves and Brooke and I just kind of jump in and we start talking to her and Brooke just puts her arm around her and I'm talking to her and we're in a little huddle and like over an hour later, she's just going on and on about her story and the generations of, of dysfunction, addiction, trauma, divorce, you name it. It is in this family by the multiplication. And we, we finally get like in conversation to a point with her where she's saying like, well, I thought I was a Christian, but I have no power. I thought I was a Christian, but I don't feel any different. And so we just started talking through, she, like she starts admitting these different pains and traumas and addictions. And Brooke, like I said, has her arm around her. And Brooke says, just start repeating after me. And Brooke starts talking about, you know, I'm the daughter of a king. I am worthy. I mean, simple phrases. And she just starts repeating them. And she starts melting into Brooke's body. And the tears start coming. And when the weeping came, her heart softened and like the walls fell down. So then Stuart came back over to talk to us. And we were like, yes, like she's warm and tender. And he shared the gospel with her. And the three of us just kept, like every lie, she would throw at us. It was arrows and arrows and arrows of lies from church, from religion, from her parents, I mean, everywhere. And we just had an answer, you know, that Jesus, not just Jesus is the answer, but a biblical answer, a promise from God that we are able to give her. So she prays to receive Christ with us. It was so sweet and beautiful. And then Gary, another guy you saw in a video at the beginning of All Revive Scotland, but Gary comes over and he just looks at her, he knew her, and he was like, oh my gosh, Sarah, you look so different. He had no idea that that was the very thing she needed to be told above everything else. And then he says, by the way, he has something to say to you. And standing over there is Jamie, who's Calvin's dad. And this couple's together, have a couple kids together and not married. And she's like, what? What, Jamie? And he goes, I prayed the prayer. And with that, Calvin runs up, hears this, jumps in his father's arms. And you guys, the generations were changed. And just one more thing. And then that night, Sarah comes up to me 
totally different person. And she's like, hey, my mom's here. I was telling her about how you prayed. The strongholds of our generations would be broken. And she said, I need that prayer. And we walk over and pray with her. So grandmother, mother, father, Calvin, brother. Like, this was so profound, so good. Yeah, and we all got to watch that. We all got to watch what God did. So, uh, Josh. Uh, so when, you, when we're on mission, and again, I'm not talking about a mission trip. I'm saying when you're living on mission, um, God's also working in us and doing things that have nothing to do with the people we're ministering to. So Josh, what's, what was a breakthrough for you on this trip? Yeah, so I think uh, what Laura shared earlier was kind of where my heart was at, right? Just showing up, saying yes, um, coming in faithfulness and humility. And I've been on some shorter-term missions before and have seen God move, you know, just by saying yes. So I was expecting that. I'm like, hey, I'm here. I want to help. I want to see people's lives change in Thurzo. I'm here. I'm showing up. And, um, you know, just praying really against a complaining spirit for weather or travel delays or anything like that. And just to be focused on God and ready and willing to help out, um, having faith that God was going to move. But... What I didn't expect was the Lord to move in my life and to speak in me, uh, speak to me in ways that he's never spoken to me before, um, in visions, in pictures. Um, and that happened. It happened during worship one morning. It happened when we were praying one afternoon about where to go next. And for me, there are things that I think I can explain away sometimes because I don't get that often. Um, in this case, God didn't give me the option to do that at all. Um, affirmations from Pastor Rob, who you saw on the screen there, uh, pr praying for me, a guy who had never met me before, affirming things that I had just seen this morning that I had never told anyone about. My wife affirming me in a lot of it, which is a, a beautiful and amazing in a lot of ways. And so all that to say yes, show up, say yes, um, but be expected that God, even though you're on, a, on mission, you're living life on mission, he wants to speak new promises over your life as well. And I will say, just to preface this, and I confess this, um, you know, one, probably the third or fourth day we were having lunch with some of the guys, like, to be quite honest, like, you know, I came on this trip, um, you know, not at the highest of high with the Lord. You know, you have this ex expectation in your mind going into a mission trip like the week of, I'm going to spend time with God this week. I'm going to be on fire. That, I mean, just all honesty, that was not the case for me. It was a week that was hectic in a lot of different ways. And I can make excuses, but I didn't spend that time with the Lord that I wanted. So all that to say, um, you know, I, I, did, I did nothing <laughs> to earn uh, the ways that God spoke to me, but I just came in faithfulness and humility, and, and he, still wanted, he still wanted to speak. And so now for me coming back now, it's just been, how do I magnify the voice of God in my life since returning? That's, you know, there's very real duties, jobs, kids, everything that we have, but I want to magnify the voice of God in my life. And so that's been the main focus for me is, man, how do I do that? And so that's what I've been praying to each day. Thank you, Josh. Okay, we're, we're winding down, and Crystal, I know you can do this. No, I, I want you to do the listening, because um, Alicia kind of illustrated, I know you can do this pretty quickly, of just listening <laughs> to God while you were on mission, and just how God showed up in terms of, can you just vision of the flowers? Y'all ready? Yeah. Yeah, watch this. Okay. I know you can do this. I know no you pressure. can. We should have brought the flowers. Yeah.
Okay, so the first day, or second day, whatever, well, first or second day we were there, we were supposed to go to a cafe that was where they, like, put us at these posts. That cafe was closed, and so Austin, our fearless group leader, was like, hey, why don't we just ask the Lord where we are supposed to go? And so we huddle up. It's raining. It's freezing. Ask the Lord, where do you want us? Hopefully somewhere inside. He was like, I felt like he was saying plant shop flower shop. And Josh was actually like, I see sunflowers. I'm like, great. So we Google a flower shop, super spiritual. We go to the first one on the list. We walk there. And as we're walking there, I'm just asking the Lord, like, hey, whoever I encounter, can you just give me a word of encouragement for this person? We walk up. She's got, it was a sweet lady. She had all of these fake flowers in the front of her shop. I was like, hey, by chance, do you guys have any fresh flowers? She's like, actually, we do. So I go into this back cooler room, me and Elizabeth, alone, not smart, but we did it. And there's these beautiful flowers, and we see a huge pot of sunflowers sitting on the floor. And I was like, thank you, Lord. So I was tell her, hey, this is why we're here. She actually knew about Revive Scotland. And I was like, hey, I've got a word for you. Do you mind if I share it? She's like, yes. I give her the word. She starts to like tear up. She's like, my husband is a pastor here at a local church. She's like, we've been longing for people to come and give us words of encouragement because the church here is dying. And she said, we keep running into all of these hardships. Like people are not coming to church. And so we just let her talk and she shared all of the prayers that have been on her heart for this city. And so it was just amazing confirmation for us on day one to like, this is why we're here. And so then we pray for her, pray for her husband. We leave. The Lord is so fun. He used sunflowers this entire trip for our group. They were, huh? She had just got those flowers that morning too. And sunflower is not the state flower of this place because it is rainy. It is gloomy. So it was like rare. We're walking down streets and there's like cutouts of sunflowers in windows. There's a sign that someone's like passing out sunflower seeds that week for sowing seeds of encouragement. We go to the museum. There's random sunflowers stuck all throughout the, the walls. And we're like, why? What's going on? The guy was like, I don't know. We're having a scavenger hunt and someone picked sunflowers. We're like, that was the Lord. A random man's, yeah, babe, I got this. I got it. Jeez. <laughs> there was a random man that we were talking to in a cafe, and he was just not having the gospel. He's like, my wife believes. I don't. He tells me his story. Anyways, he thought that we were done. He opened his jacket. He's wearing a sunflower lanyard. And I was like, sir, I know you don't believe in Jesus, but I do. Can I pray for you? And he let me pray for him. Thank you. Was that well good? Done. Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. He passed it down to Katie. Can you guys, this is going to be a hard landing. Can you give me like three, four minutes and we're going to land this thing? Okay, Katie just, Katie was one a family that chose to go to uh, on mission with family. That was meaningful to all of us as we got to watch the minister to them. And I was just wondering if you could share... I know we don't have much time, but briefly, what, what it meant to your family. What was it like to be together? Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to lie. We were excited and nervous. I think every one of us, there's lots of questions of what it would look like and if this was possible. I think just a vacation is hard sometimes as a family, let alone we're on mission. We need to show the love of Jesus even when things are hard. So there were some hard pieces for sure, but I think the positives were a shared missions experience and doing it together with the extended Antioch family was huge and really impactful 
the morning times of worship to the trainings. The uh, Scottish leaders were really impactful, I think, for our whole family. Gave us courage to go out in the afternoon and do things we were not comfortable doing. Um, Stepping out in faith, they got to walk alongside all these adults and watch them use their gifts. Um, Coming back to the States, one of my daughters shared, I feel like I have the courage to do that here that I didn't know I could do. So I won't get into testimonies. Come up to me on your own if you want to. But we have like doors that God, doors that God opened for sure um, for my daughters and I to share our testimonies with others. And I think just in summary, what came out is that being on mission as a family is possible and it's fun and it's fulfilling. And we had a blast. So awesome job. And I want to give up. Okay. So audible, stay seated as I land this plane. So um, rather than you guys clearing off, I want to also give a shout out to the kids because um, some of them are not kids. They're young adults. And they chose to come on mission with family, and they could have done it on their own. And I watched them do it with family and submit, and way to go, you guys. And they stepped up big in some roles. And so just the way that God knit together this trip was absolutely amazing. So now, fastest close in the world. I'm going to pick an illustration, and I'm hoping this is going to work on what we want to leave with this. Okay, so um, you guys prayed. I don't know that you know the extent to which your prayer was valuable. So we're coming home. We're 55 people. Some of the logistics is we have 11 cars that we had to leave in Chicago. So we can't come back to Indianapolis. We have to come in groups to Chicago. All the groups are on different reservations. And so to change a reservation, you have to change as a group, which is no longer possible in the mess that we are in. We come into Heathrow on a record-breaking day. They have absolutely shut themselves down. They are canceling flights. We run on the way to our connection past at least three customer service lines that had hundreds of people in them each. People were asking me, because I've traveled so much, what are we going to do to reconnect? I want to tell you, I have no idea how you fix this mess. Because you can't say, okay, everybody go to Indianapolis. You have to line up groups, cars, and get them to Chicago. I had no idea how we're gonna do this. So we get into line, we are running to make our line, we get in the passport line, this all has a point. We get into the passport line, we go through the passport line, we get to passport control, and they said you've been red carded. Which means they've already identified that you can't make your connection. So they say step out, go to the customer service line. I was like, ma'am, we can't do that. So I went to, she goes, well, I can't let you through unless you bring a customer service agent and let us through. I said, okay. So I ran to the customer service agent line. Some people were yelling at me because I had to go to this person. They were on the same flight we were. One person was crying because she had to make a funeral and she wasn't getting, she was on our flight. So I said to the woman, we don't have an option. We're going for it. And she said, you're not going to make your connection. I said, I'm asking you to come with us and tell passport control we're going for it. So we did. So she made an announcement to everybody in the line. Anybody on American A91, come with this guy. So we all go to the passport control. So we go to passport control. We get past passport control, and we're gonna, now we have to go in the security line. And the security line's way backed up. And now we're getting posts on our phone that say our, our flight has left. The woman who originally led us through the passport control comes back and makes an announcement and says, we have talked to the pilot. They're not holding the flight. You're not going to make your connection. And we prayed and we worshiped and a bunch of us and everybody looked and said, we're going forward. We got clarity. We're going forward. So we went through security line. Now all our banners say the flight is left. When we get through the security line, we have to go to gate 42, which in Heathrow is over a mile with our group and some are eight month old babies. 
And so we start running, and we run to the gate, and of the group of us that gets there in the lead, the door is shut, the jet is run, and they won't open the door. And we start praying, pretty much yelling the name of Jesus, not at people, just worshiping. <laughs> Linda turns her music up, but I'm pretty sure they've never heard the name of Jesus said so loudly and proclaimed like they were. This was not panic. This was God. We have to get on that plane. And I haven't seen this before because the gate had been pulled back and we had four times, four times we said they're not opening it. On the fifth time, a woman looked and said, I'm asking you, ask the pilot. She gets on the phone. She goes, have your passports and your boarding press ready. If he says, and all of a sudden, the door opens back up. And we still have people. Here's the connection I want to try and make. When you're on mission, there's ultimate clarity. You don't have to have answers. You just know where you're supposed to go and how you get there. And that is clarity we all need in this world. We are a church that's going to live on mission because that gives us clarity. We didn't have any answers about the airlines. We didn't have any answers about the mess that he threw in. We just knew our God and we knew our mission. And so we pressed forward. And that's what we're highlighting this morning is that we're going to be a church that lives on mission, not just going to Scotland, but serving in A-Kids, going into our workplaces, going into our schools. It's real clear. We live on mission, and that gives clarity. What do we do tomorrow? We love God, and we love people, and that brings clarity in a world that is so confused right now. So we are a people who are going to live on mission. Scotland was just the beginning. Where do we go next and who do we send next? It's going to happen. Let me pray for us. Lord, the clarity that you give us when we live on mission is unbelievable. And we give you thanks and praise. And you give us a promise that as we will give our lives away, because living on mission will cost. And we need to know that up front. And giving our lives away, you give us this promise. In giving your life away, you will find life in return. We want that life, Lord. It's the only life. So help us be a church that knows real clarity. We just live on mission. And that gives us the answer to every question that's right before us. We just got to move forward on mission. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And amen.